This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I have images that are very spiritual. Um, one image that I found pretty recently was this lifeless male body in a suit and then this livid glowing female body like unzipping and emerging from that dead body and saying i i have us now i can i can get us through uh, life now huh that was a a, a female was represented as the 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 soul emerging from yeah. uh the, the baptized person huh interesting yeah. well yeah the soul is yeah depicted as as feminine uh, mm -hmm. usually even with men the problem, I guess, is that like somebody has to raise a child and give and you know impart to them like some kind of perspective in the world. Um, like there's not going to be, you know, no no child is is able to just come into the world um, and remain a blank slate until they're rational enough to make their own decisions about you know how they see themselves. Like everybody inherits their sense of self from from their society. Um, so, you know, I guess I, I don't, I, I wonder like what, what is, what, what do they do? Like queer theorists kind of have thoughts about what the solution is to assigned, um, sex. Like, do they, do they want there to just be nothing assigned to them thinking that there, that nothing will take, take the place of, of, um, gender. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's one of my uh, disagreements with gen the gender critical certain aspects of the gender critical viewpoint, which is based on a feminist critique that says that gender is inculcated by society, that all of these roles are put upon us, that most of our actions are actually um, the fault of or owing to us being gendered and then put right. into these different boxes. And I see that... I do agree with you that nobody is just born without a culture, without a personality that, that actually emerges in response to the context of culture. At the same time, I've worked with children for so many years now, 20, few decades, right? And males and females are different. They're just different. They act different. They have different values. They have different energy levels. They have different interests. They have different patterns of cogniz uh, cogitating and relating to the themselves and the world. And that doesn't mean that there is a primordial way that a woman should be or a boy should be, but those shoulds are put on pun. I think that the proper idea of gender as a regulatory force is attenuated to male pattern behaviors that is informed by by biology the need for certain sorts of activities let's say or certain tendencies to socialize that are different between males and females and then gender would be a concept of how do we help these young people to deal with their energy levels or to deal with their tendencies to be dramatic in one way or dramatic in another way. And then also to allow uh, boys and girls to kind of recognize that boys are going to act like this and girls are going to act like this. And then as they grow up, they can be a little bit wiser to how a boy will want something and a girl will want something else, let's say, when they enter into relationships, just kind of having mm -hmm. a basic idea. But that would 
go through not just culture. It does go through culture, but it also through the family and through just relationships and stuff like that. So I think gender is very useful, very useful. It's just, it's always, it's really interpreted mostly negatively or too yeah. stringently. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I wish that I was um, better at like readily articulating this because I mean, the world that we live in right now, like it just doesn't really give us language for that. Um, cause we, we are like kind of moving away from that. And yeah, yeah, I, I agree, um, that, um, a lot of the people who I interact with, like in D trans circles, um, is, is pretty much like the extent to which I like pick up on kind of the, the political kind of discussions around these things. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they tend to, to just talk about, well, you know, there is no gender and there's just sex. And um, why do we need to add on this kind of unnecessary extra gender? And I, I can never really agree with that, but I don't necessarily have like a, it's not easy to convey, especially when the only way that you could convey it would be in some kind of a probably symbolic way. Or yeah. I, I think that you could, you could point toward the need for symbolic language and, or just the, the necessity for um, gendered um, customs uh, in, in a more philosophical way, I guess, but I don't know, just a lot of people don't, aren't really interested in having that discussion. It just seems completely superfluous. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet I guess like when, you know, everything ends up getting reduced down to like, look, you're either, a, you know, you're a man or a woman because you're an adult human male or you're an adult human female. Um, you know, the only thing that, that distinguishes us is, you know, is, is our genitals and a number of, you know, a few like relatively, superficial things but you know obviously society doesn't actually um hmm. function without those things being those specific things being taken into account like relationships and, and sex mm -hmm. and parenthood um and things like that i mean that that at least that would be enough to radically change the the way that we have to interact with each other um socially and that's what I, I'm, I'm starting to kind of grapple with is like, um, I mean, and the funny thing is, is I notice all sorts of D trans people talk about like, oh, that, that male socialization, that female socialization, like it's on display right there. And I'm like, okay, so why, why do you have such a hard time with the concept of gender? And I still kind of get it. Like they want to stick with this is what's concretely real and right in mm -hmm. front of us. Yeah. And then we observe so certain social patterns, but we don't need to impose anything on ourselves about that. But it's like, but you do have to impose things on yourself according to the social patterns that you observe. Um, and like, at least for me, I don't know if this is, I, I dare, you know, I, I, I'll probably be wrong, but I, I want to say like, I don't know if it's because it's easier to ignore for women. I'm, I'm probably completely wrong, but at least for me, I know that I can't ignore it because one of my like greatest fears in the world is being, is, is, um, the suspicion of women. Like that's something I've, I've been talking about quite a bit. Like when it comes to, um, the reasons why I wanted to transition in the first place, the reason why I adopted this, um, like inner female persona is because I like, you know, noticed that at least on some basic level, like women and and girls have to have a certain amount of like wariness around males that they don't know. And um, I could recognize that as being necessary, but it sort of felt like the only way that I could recognize that as necessary and not 
feel like now I'm like this threat and, um, you know, what was to kind of, I guess, I guess kind of see myself as like one of the good ones or something like I, I didn't do anything to, mm -hmm. to create this, this, this necessity for, for women to be on guard because of, of men being potentially dangerous. Um, so, you know, I can kind of acknowledge the, the dilemma that's going on, but like, I don't have any part of that. It's not, and it's not fair that I have to kind of like change my behavior for, for the sake of, you know, to, 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 to make sure that I'm respecting that, that, that a woman might not be as readily willing to, um, trust me as much as, as another guy would. Mm -hmm. And that I just found that so incredibly painful and, and, and really filled me with a lot of disgust about how I looked at myself hmm. that eventually I think that that was a, that was possibly the deepest reason for why I even wanted to see myself as, as female, because in, in my mind, being seen as a predator is the worst thing you could possibly be. And I, I'm not even saying that for emphasis, like I can't actually think of anything worse than that. Um, being being seen as a sexual predator, particularly, mm -hmm. there's just mm -hmm. I, nothing that seems well, worse. Well, it that might mind. be worse to actually be a sexual predator. Well, yes, yeah, so that's what I that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> being actually being a sexual predator, yeah. But so um, you you uh, through a highly empathetic or even paranoid, edging into paranoid mm -hmm. kind of oh, sensitivity. Yeah just picked up on these signals or this narrative about men being the bad guys and yeah. that women saw you as the bad guy and you were not able that formed a block or a high amount of anxiety in you. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Uh, I mean, I was always extremely socially paranoid. Um, hmm. you know, and, and the more that I, the more that I think about this, the more it seems like I, I can't think of a deeper reason why I would have been paranoid in the first place, if not for this. Like this seems to be the root of a lot, but a lot of things are up in the air, mm -hmm. I guess, about my self-understanding. But when did you first encounter that feeling then? How old were you? It's or possible what? that I did in literally my first memory. <laughs> I don't actually know for sure, but that's the way that I've seen my first memory is is having an encounter with a woman where i i thought that i like did something wrong and i was three years old doesn't seem to make any sense why a three-year-old you know would be in that situation but the just just the fact that that's always been in my mind as my first memory you know tells me something hmm. and i have a hard time on you know knowing why like um because i don't think that people have ever been particularly suspicious of me um i i've always i've like i've had many different situations where i would say to my friend like hey am i doing something crazy am i being like this am i being like that and they're like what are you talking about and i have to kind of like eventually be crazy enough that like i can see how genuinely on their face they're like you're what you're saying doesn't make any sense you don't come across that way at all hmm. um but i'm like primed to expect that people will people will be suspicious of me um and particularly women so it, it evidently goes back really far. Why do you care what women think? I guess because I really admire women. And I mean, they are 50% of the population, but also, uh, I mean, I, I think that there's a, at least a basic, like just social need to be accepted by, you know, by my world and to not have to segment off parts of myself somewhere else, um, you know, in order to, to fit in to society. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, I, I love women. I'm, uh, kind of, 
I, I, I kind of have a hard time with being like overly attracted to women, just overly charmed by women. Hmm. Um, and so I'm just like very, yeah, just very nervous around them in a way that I guess a straight, you know, man might be, but you know, that's, that's joined to, uh, the, the fear of being suspect. Yeah. I, um, I have a deep, uh, affection, uh, and adoration of the female sex and that has shaped a lot of my conscious thought, um, from yeah. for for a very long time when that first became very strong i was 14 um you know and i channeled that into poetry i channeled that into the idolization and the adoration and the consecration and the concentration of these feelings for a woman into crappy crappy poetry um, but oh, I, and, uh, so I was 14 and I, I had like a crush. I had, I had started getting crushes and I had like really close girl friends. And then I started and I would get crushes on them. They'd notice that. And they're like, you can't, we can't be friends if you're going to act like this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I would sublimate it. But then I started having crushes on girls that weren't my best friend. They were kind of in our social circle and I realized there was like this year, 14, 15, where I would get really hyper-focused on one woman and just be completely obsessed about her and like just create an image of her in my head, like her, her lips and her eyes and like how she, how she moves, you know, and, and her hair. And then I would write all this poetry while all this poetry and the girl would finally convince me after a while of putting up with my schlock that she, she, I wasn't talking to her. I was talking to an image in her head and I'm like, Oh, okay, well you don't love me. So, I, so then I'd just go and I'd love uh, another woman. And I just kept on doing that until I kind of eventually slowed down. Uh, but it seems like you, you were kind of involved in a similar process. Oh, well you had some of the same feelings, but you processed it differently. I suppose so. Yeah. I, um, Maybe. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have dared as much to uh, go and express, um, you know, those kinds of, of thoughts and feelings, um, to any girls, like when I was in middle school and high school and early college. And, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, still, still hoping to like, yeah, actually find like, you know, what's, what's a good way to, um, you know, express my interest in, in a woman. Like, I mean, it's, I'll, you know, admit that, like, I'm just, that's where I am right now. Cause for, for until, until like two years ago, I actually, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market didn't I didn't want to even try to to think about dating women um like that's the thing it's like I'm just like realizing all of this now oh. uh, like I mean recently ish not that I, I was crazy about girls in middle school and high school but I was just so uncomfortable with that and I just couldn't I couldn't deal with it like if I crushed on a girl I did I didn't I, I didn't know what to do like I would just stare at her 
because and I couldn't do anything about it <laughs> you know like there was one like one girl like my like crush on her was like so like traumatic because like everybody knew how like how much I was crushing on her and I wasn't doing anything really wrong I just like couldn't kind of help that like I just was so charmed by her and um one day I just like walked up to her um and I was like will you uh, will you go out with me and she goes no and then I went okay and I walked away <laughs> and <laughs> um and I don't know I just like um yeah it was actually a big like breakthrough for me like two years ago realizing I actually I actually want to get married and like I am I'm a I'm a think I'm a competent person and that's the thing that drives me crazy is that I know that women are just, you know, they're people, they're normal people. Um, and I've had friends who are women, but it's just that whenever I am crushing on a woman, it's like suddenly, you know, there's just this other part of me that I don't know what to do with. Hmm. Um, I guess because of all the fear around it. Hmm. And yeah, I wish that, that, that I, I mean, I guess I wish that like when I was in middle school and high school, like I did write bad poetry about, about women or something. Cause like, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good way to, to, you know, um, get those thoughts out. But also that's, I think that's, that's wonderful too, that like you, you had that learning lesson, especially that, that far back. Like if you're talking about high school, um, when you learned like, you know, this, this girl that you're writing about is not her, but it's your, your thoughts about her. I mean, that was something that I was, you know, um, I feel like I was just like learning about a few years ago, um, you know, which I, I like I hate saying because I always felt like I had some kind of like solidarity with women. And, um, you know, I, I hate to think of myself as the sort of person that goes like, "Ooh, you know, women, they're just so mysterious. You know, we can't understand them. And and therefore, like, I just ignore like their, their thoughts uh, mm. and I just like talk them up to being mysterious or something. But um yeah, I, I am, um, very much, uh, oh, something, something that you were saying earlier about just like the way that, I don't know, like my, my mind was, you know, organized around how I saw women. And for me, I, I guess this is kind of a thing is like, for me, instead of that, um, that kind of adoration of women resulting in me going and like sharing my affection, um, you know, I, it hit me recently. Like I actually, like I've been worshiping women for a long time. And I mean, I mean, I actually literally mean that I literally have been worshiping women over the God who I profess to worship, uh, you know, mm -hmm. as a Catholic, um, mm -hmm. because I mean, that's just the nature of, of sin and idolatry is you're placing something above God. Um, but like to really get down to that, I was, I was organizing my life around sacrificing things about me to not hurt women because I didn't trust myself. And I, I thought that there was something wrong with me as male. Um, and because my, my, my feelings were so strong, um, and it was a whole mix of, of sexual and romantic and, and all kinds of feelings. Um, but especially the sexual is just the, is really the scary part. Um, hmm. you know, as well as things like, um, just like being romantic and then being annoying, um, is something, you know, that can be, uh, you know, can, can be scary too. But like, I, I organized my life around not offending women. I think that's like the summary kind of. And so like many, a uh, complex that gets out of hand, it kind of becomes a reality in and itself. Uh, 
By which I mean, at some point, you decided to turn into a woman or become yeah. a woman? Yeah. How did that thought enter your head? Well, I obviously wasn't making that connection at the time, but it seems that I um, wanted to be a girl when I was like four or five years old. Now, I know that there's a lot of risk to like reading back into your you know, past memories and saying, oh, I always knew that I was trans. Um, cause then I pushed that thought away for a very long time, but like, it's clear that it was there with me early on. Um, you know, I would, I would come up with, um, you know, I was telling, I was telling, um, Freddie recently in the podcast I did, um, you know, about this role play game that I did where I, um, went up to my brother and I said, Hey, I have this game, um, where, um, one, one person playing has to be a boy and the other has to be a girl. And well, you're my older brother, so I won't make you be the boy. So I'll be the girl. And then that like gave me an excuse to act like a girl for a little bit. And, um, you know, I just, I, I remember being like even very intimidated and charmed by, by girls and women at that age, um, at like four or five and, hmm. and wanting to be like them. But it's not like it, there was any way of entertaining the thought of like becoming a woman. So even when I got into high school and, um, late middle school and like started thinking about like, you know, being in the, my school's GSA and, um, learning about different sexualities and, um, gender identities. I started to more just think of myself as being kind of like androgynous. And I just, I just didn't want to be associated with men. Um, so I wanted to, you know, be different and, and not, I mean, you know, not that I was just trying to be different, but like, I, yeah, I wanted to be yeah. not associated with men and, it wasn't until, yeah, I guess I was 17 that I don't remember exactly what prompted it, but I just had the thought that was like, wait a minute, this was like a 50-50 chance. What if I was born a girl? Um, and then it just like things started to kind of click together, like how how better, how much better everything would have been. Um, people would have treated me in a way, not necessarily better, um, but they would have treated me in a way that just corresponded more to, to what I'm like is what it seemed to me. And from then on, it was like just, like overwhelmingly depressing because the thought just like finally occurred to me that you were in the wrong body. Yeah. That I, I, I got the, the unlucky 50, 50 chance. Hmm. Okay. So there's theories about or categorizations, the Blanchardian uh, categories for transition. Mm -hmm seems like you're like a romantic AGP or autogonophile, but it's, it's Maybe. not primarily sexual. It's, it's more emotional. It's more in the romantic domain. Like Maybe just I am overwhelming, uh, overwhelming worship adoration of woman that you kind of, you want to see yeah. yourself as them, or you can only accept that by becoming one. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I guess interpretations are still a bit up in the air, but like, I think there's probably something to that. Like I'm, I've always been, uh, over like an overwhelmingly emotional person. I just can't handle the amount of, the amount of emotion that I have. Oh. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I mean, I basically, you know, it, so much of it goes, goes back to, to beauty. Um, I wanted to be beautiful and, I see women as being the most beautiful, uh, the most beautiful people and things in the world. Okay. So yeah. there's kind of, there's just, um, hmm. I, 
I guess as far as the the AGB thing, like I've I haven't read into that a lot, though I hear about it, and it always kind of strikes me as a little bit of a, a reduction, a weird thing a that sure. okay. yeah, that people kind of say that like oh oh like you you have AGP and that's why you transitioned, whereas it seems to me like I I felt something more kind of inside about how like the way I wanted to socialize. Um, and I mm. wanted to be treated socially. And then because of that, okay. uh, because of wanting to identify with women in that way, I want to also have my sexual fantasies be, um, you know, as female. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I can't, that said, I can't deny that I have like a very probably like overly strong sex drive. Um, and, and I'm sure that that fuels a lot of that. Okay. Um, There's a lot of clusters of thoughts that I'm thinking about. You said about you wanted to be beautiful. My relationship to beauty, I guess for a couple years, I became obsessed with being beautiful. But I wanted to, I always perceived, for myself, I always perceived a very strong reaction to the beautiful. And then when I kind of grew up, I wanted to be beautiful for a bit. Um, to be adored, but then that I just didn't like the attention. And plus I would have to become something that I didn't want to be. It seemed like it wasn't right for me. So mm -hmm. my adoration of beauty went into, well, I can create the beautiful. I can, I can mm -hmm. try to craft the beautiful. So the beautiful That's is always kind of outside yeah. of me. It's something that I either react to or enact, that, yeah, not I, embody. I, I like I like that. Um, I feel like that's something that I haven't really heard someone else say because I yeah now that I've kind of now that I have been like you know over the last couple of years starting to really feel not just accept that I'm a man like I've detransitioned seven years ago and I accepted being a man but actually starting to love being a man um, I do start to notice that you know it's like um, it's more like yeah I appreciate the beauty of women I don't necessarily need to have that for myself. And I think that when I talk to, um, uh, or, you know, I hear other, other men who are detransitioning, they, they can be really kind of stuck on that because they don't necessarily see that there are these two different kind of, I guess, ways of relating to beauty. Like you can be beautiful and you can, you can, um, and then you can be a lover of beauty and you can be both of course, but as far as the, you know, men, man and woman, uh, men and women's um, relationship to beauty, like women tend to, the focus tends to be more on uh, women being the beautiful ones, men being the appreciators of beauty. So yeah, I feel like it, it feels like that's a more, you know, maybe just a more healthy way for a man to have a relationship to beauty. It's not that he can't be beautiful. It's not that there, that, that he can't be interested in fashion mm -hmm. um, or, or I mean, you know, every man should take care of his appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's the way that I've seen myself shifting more. And it's like, you know, like it or not, you know, whether men, men and women should be expected to do the same, uh, or, you know, to do, to do specific things here. Like, um, I, I'm much more, yeah, I'm, I'm much more able to actually accept being a man when I don't like, I don't need to be the beautiful one. Cause if, if I'm, and I mean, you know, then, then again, too, like, women of course see a, a beauty in men and I can see a beauty in men without being, um, sexually attracted to men. I still, you know, that's something that I came to appreciate too. I can, I have a certain kind of beauty to me and mm. I, I actually think that I'm beautiful, but mm -hmm. 
but I wouldn't think that I was beautiful if I was comparing myself to, to female beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, so if that, if that's all that I'm thinking about is just, wow, how beautiful women are. And I'm so like caught up in that. Um, it never even occurs to me that, well, men have a, have their own proper kind of, uh, their own beauty that's proper to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm using that in a philosophical way, proper, like, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So how long were you participating in transition and what um, paths did you take? Um, I was transitioning for two years. Um, I socially transitioned for six months before I went on hormones. So on hormones for a year and a half or so. Um, So not, not too, too long, but I had a, a, still a pretty good, you know, experience of that. Um, How was uh, the process of getting access to the hormones? Like what did you go through? Um, I went to see a a therapist who specialized in gender issues. Um, and yeah, he just said he wanted to, you know, spend six months with me or so before I would start. Mm -hmm. And how did your system, uh, take to the estrogen? Um, I mean, I really liked it because it got rid of my sex drive. It took it down to like 10%, I would say, um, that was honestly, that's the main thing that I like. Again, this is, you know, part explaining why, why this is such a pattern for me is, um, I didn't want to be attracted to women. Um, or at least I didn't want to be overwhelmed by my attraction. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean it, you know, it changed my body a bit. I had small breasts, I had fat redistribution. Um, but it was mainly, I was, I felt more emotionally free and comfortable because I didn't have such a high sex drive. Oh, okay. So some men have, uh, or some males uh, who go toward transition are disgusted by their body and, you know, just like the hair growing out is just physically disgusting or like some really mm-hmm. deep body dysmorphia. Uh, but yours is more emotional. It's kind of fascinating because your, your battle is like more of a spiritual battle than a bodily battle. I get, I know so. sexuality is definitely a bodily thing, but mm-hmm. uh, it seems like you're trying to wrestle with the drive and, and yeah get mastery over that or at least get freedom from the sex drive rather than freedom from let's say hair growth or yep. other other aspects of it yeah yeah i would say so you know not to say that i didn't like one of the only things that i wanted to get as far as um uh surgery was was electrolysis you know i wanted to look feminine um mm. i wanted to get my adam's apple shaped down but i actually didn't want to get any other surgery mm. And did you, uh, what kind of, uh, construction of your new identity did you do? Rename yourself, re- oh. reconfigure who you are? Um, yeah, I had a new name, which, um, was just, a, actually, I mean, my first name is a really easy one to switch to female name. Um, yeah. and, uh, I, I, I didn't change a ton about like how I kind of presented myself other than that I was trying to look like, you know, female and 
letting out a bit more of the feminine behavior that I actually mm-hmm. like, you know, a certain amount of it was natural to me that I didn't, you know, allow myself, um, like, for example, I mean, I'm not figuring that you are thinking, wow, this is a particularly feminine man, um, by my behavior, but for some reason for a very long time, just having a certain inflection to my voice seemed feminine to me. Hmm. So that's another thing too, is I had like a high, you know, like very heightened, like, um, sense, I don't know, at, at least with my own behavior that like everything I did naturally was feminine. Um, so I was very like worried about, about that. Hmm. Were you um, so bullied I guess, for being feminine? No, <laughs> I mean, except, well, uh, well, actually maybe, maybe I shouldn't say, I, I guess not, not at school, but, um, I mean, my dad like heavily, heavily discouraged um, any kind of feminine behavior. I think probably at, at such an early age that I already knew from my, fir- from my earliest memories, you know, you don't show those things. And I think very minor things like, I mean, literally just singing and dancing, like kind of struck him as being feminine. So anything mm. that you could kind of just vaguely associate with, with femininity, like almost the way that we associate cats with femininity, if you compare them to dogs, yeah. um, like I, I was like, mm, I, I better just to be safe, not, not do that. Okay. Um, so Which I just, I, my like your artistic sides then. Yeah. Weirdly enough. Yeah. Um, I guess art, art was almost the one for, in a lot of ways, art was like the one way that I, I bypassed that for a very long time. And I, I'm surprised I didn't really think about it that much until right now, but like, I mean, it makes sense that, um, basically until I became, be, until the time that I believed in the Catholic faith, um, music was like my reason for living. Um, and yeah, I always, I always felt like music got out, uh, and, and other art just, yeah, it was like, it was a, a beautiful thing that I made that is not on my person sort of, I put it, you know, I made it, I put it there and, uh, you know, I can, if I really want to, I can hide it from my dad or I can hide it from whoever I want. What kind of music? Um, I, you know, started with rock music, but I got a lot of influence from, um, classical and jazz. Um, and like, I really got into like prog rock, uh, like yes. And Genesis gentle giant. And, uh, I just liked really like experimental stuff. So a lot of my music was just kind of seemed kind of genre uh, A lot of it was very like childlike too. So it was getting out my child, childlike side. Okay. And what, what caused you to, uh, decide to get off the estrogen? Um, <laughs> that was kind of in the experience of, um, having that kind of social life where people were really like, you know, making effort to, um, you know, like people kind of showed me extra respect because I was trans. Um, and people, you know, yeah, really like there, there were always a, a few like friends of mine who really knew about LGBT kind of stuff. And so they would make sure that everybody is on the same page. Everybody's using my pronouns almost like people were almost taking care of that for me. Cause I was a very, I was a very like timid. Um, and I still am to some extent timid and like, just kind of like the kind of friend who like quietly hangs out with everyone else. And you know, if that person, usually that's a girl in my experience in, in friend groups, but like the person who like 
people want to make sure that that person's not uncomfortable sort of. Um, and I, I would be kind of treated like that in, in some ways, um, I guess with bigger groups, but, um, I don't know, basically people show me a lot of respect and, and people really like made the effort to stick to my pronouns. And, um, I hardly dealt with anyone who didn't respect my chosen identity and, and pronoun preferences. But, um, yeah, it was, I, I think it was because people were, that there, there was no problem with that, that I kind of just saw like what it's like when you try living as a woman, but you're, you're male and you have a whole male socialization behind you. Um, you just, you don't get away from, from who you are. And that, that doesn't mean that the feelings that led me to want to transition were not real. It's just that I interpreted them to mean that I, that I was a woman. Um, and I, you know, not only felt like kind of trying to pass only just like accentuated my masculine features, my, my jaw or my shoulders or especially my voice. I mean, that's the, at least the one part that the, the listeners can kind of tell I can, couldn't really do too much about my voice, I don't think. But it was much more than that. It was about the the social stuff. Um, it was, um, you know, I mentioned this uh, before too on the last podcast that there was a friend of mine who um, I was, I, I dropped acid with. Um, I was using it a lot at that time. And uh, she had um, every, yeah, she had every intention of, of using my pronouns and name and stuff and treating me like one of her girlfriends. And it was this very, just kind of like sweet sort of friendship that we had. Um, she had, um, and she had a lot of like bad memory problems though. So she would kind of sometimes forget though. Like she had like really bad memory problems. Um, and, uh, so she would just kind of treat me the way that that was natural to her. Like, and I could see there was no, there was no disrespect, but she was just treating me the way that was natural to her. And not only was she doing that, but I also, especially when taking LSD, could not ignore that I was actually really attracted to her and I didn't want to be attracted to her. Um, and she was attracted to me. Like I could kind of tell, um, we never, you know, we never went anywhere with our relationship, but I mean, you know, she, she expressed, expressed to me, um, that she found me attractive, but I always just kind of said like, um, you know, she's seeing me as attractive, you know, as just. A person it's not because i'm male um and hmm. i couldn't well, yeah i kind of why wouldn't you just kiss the girl oh i mean i i wanted i didn't i didn't want to date women when i was transitioning i didn't okay. want any association with with you know being a threat to to women um that was to me like i that was the only time in my life that i dated men i dated men when i was transitioning um, and it wasn't necessarily just cause like I viewed myself as bisexual, um, then, uh, or pansexual or whatever. Um, but I, um, so, you know, I acknowledged that I did find women attractive, but I was like, mm, I just think I'm not gonna risk any chance of there being any kind of suspicion or any worry, uh, in my friendship with, with women. So I just want to be like, I date men, um, and like, you know, I, I meant it, like I didn't, you know, I really wanted to, to keep that away. Um, but you know, here I am 
uh, with her. And, you know, I just couldn't tell that, like, I mean, I couldn't help but tell that I, um, I felt like a man around here. Like there was a, a way that she kind of inspired a certain, like, you know, um, kind of care toward her, a certain like mm -hmm. fatherliness toward her, uh, especially with her kind of like her different issues that she has. Um, and just, yeah, the, I mean, without even necessarily know how, knowing how to explain to it, like the character of our interactions, just, it was, I just felt way too distinctly male. There was no way not only to get away from having a male body, but the whole socialization, the whole experience behind me of, of, um, how I socialize and how she socializes and how she's going to see me and she's going to see me how she's going to see me and she can affirm me, but I, that's not what I need. I don't need someone to affirm me. I need someone to be with me and actually understand me. Um, and so, um, this, you know, again, was another thing I'd been mentioning, but like, I felt like we were just like this primordial man and woman, um, like Adam and Eve, uh, was the, the feeling. And, those experiences um, with LSD, you know, I, I, I try not to draw, you know, immediate conclusions from them, but there were just times that I had like the ability to think in a way that I normally didn't allow myself to think so that afterward, then I could think back to it and then go, you know, yeah, there was kind of a point there to what I was thinking at that time, wasn't there? Um, and for some reason I was kind of okay with that too. Like, I was surprised the way that I sort of just pushed through because it was like, you know, when you're on LSD, like the thinking is that you want to go along with the experience. You don't want to resist it. So, hmm. um, yeah, that, that, that was, that was, a an important, uh, instance in that summer that led me to detransition, but I guess, um, yeah. And then, and then it was that same summer that I started to find that, um, that, that the Catholic faith actually had a lot, uh, ha, you know, had views about gender, which even though the church didn't really have a lot to say about transgenderism, like I, I basically agreed with the church's notions about like comp the complementarity of men and women. And I heard, um, some people talk about it. Uh, Dr. Deborah Savage had a really good like conversation on Franciscan presents, um, Mm -hmm. talking about um her work um with like kind of john paul ii theology of the body kind of stuff um mm -hmm. talking about like interpreting uh the the story of the garden of eden and the fall um and about like yeah just the 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 differences between men and women their particular gifts and i sort of saw a conversation of men and women like really honoring and admiring each other's differences without there being like any kind of competition or suspicion hmm. or something. It was just a really good example for me. Had and, you um, grown up Catholic? I, I did, um, very okay. nominally. Um, nobody really took it that seriously until my dad became very devout when I was like 13 or so. But oh. by that time I, that was like right when I became an atheist and yeah, uh, started getting into LGBT stuff. And so we argued a lot. Um, oh, okay. Pretty much throughout huh. that time. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. So it was there and did you have problems with it for a while and then you just started being attracted to catholicism after a while or it just yeah um i i at times you know would have said like um you know that i was i was one of you know these people who received like a very like toxic sort of religious upbringing um with a lot of shame I mean, I would be willing to admit that if that was the case, but it is actually kind of hard to look back and really see that like Catholicism was the thing that was like creating this shame for me because my parents didn't really take it that seriously. Um, and my parents both had their very like idiosyncratic reasons why they were influencing me the way that they were influencing me. And it's, it's pretty hard to chalk that up to Catholicism. So at the time, I think I kind of went with the trope, um, you know, in, in my later childhood that like, I was one of these kids who like received all this toxic shame from Catholicism. Um, but it, it doesn't really seem like that. It seems like it more comes from my parents, you know, acknowledging there's, there's, there is, um, uh, or there are a lot of examples of people who've in the Catholic church and in, um, you know, other, other Christian uh, upbringings that, you know, was filled with a lot of that shame, but mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I just kind of didn't understand it. Um, there wasn't a lot know. of resistance or resentment toward the Catholic Church. You just kind of departed from it atheistically. Yeah, pretty much. I just I kind of I kind of just thought that Catholicism was um, kind of fairy taleish or Christianity. I just thought it was kind of fairy taleish. So just myths. Yeah. Okay. So, but later on, it wasn't, you're pulled back to it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and, and again, I guess just to clarify, like, I did maybe have a certain amount of resentment to Catholicism, but I guess I just think it, that resentment was sort of misdirected. Like, hmm. um, so, you know, again, yeah. Um, but it was in, it was, it was in my, like, sophomore year of college, when I went to college right after high school that I decided, well, I may be an atheist, but maybe there's still something kind of spiritual. There's kind of some spiritual wisdom that I need out there. And so like I was exploring more Eastern spiritualities and um, I read the Tao Te Ching that my brother had told me about and I loved it. I mean, it's still, I think it's great. Um, it's been a great like jumping point for me for spirituality and I could certainly go back to it too um, again and again. I'm sure. Um, and I tried to take it really seriously. And that was a time when I decided, um, thankfully, like I need to quiet my mind down more. I tended to really like have this commentary over life, like all the time, just overthinking constantly. And I just decided like, I need, I need more to just kind of like receive reality as it's presenting itself to me. And as, as my senses receive it and just kind of like, just be in the moment and not need to interpret things, not need to make sense of things. And, um, hmm. yeah, there, I, I was really trying to practice that a lot and, and get out of that habit of constantly interpreting things. Hmm. And, uh, you know, then I learned about 
more about Buddhism and, and Hinduism um, and listening to like Alan Watts. Um, and I wanted to eventually kind of like discern like what would be a really authentic traditional path. Um, but I, you know, I, I can, I converted to Catholic or reverted to Catholicism before I kind of got there, but I, I think I was pretty serious about it. Like I wanted to, I wanted to find some kind of a path, um, mm -hmm. to stick with and commit myself to. And I think I was actually starting to, if I didn't believe in the Catholic faith, I would have, um, I seemed to be moving more toward Hinduism because I was believing in God. Um, I started to, I started to believe in God and I, I knew, I just knew that I wanted to worship God, um, Hmm. that that everything hmm. did ultimately arrive at at one uh at at one principle and that that principle is hmm. is personal in some way although it does seem like a lot of the kind of like advaita um schools seem to see like that the sort of the one uh brahman as maybe as impersonal um but like the personal is more like metaphorical um, you know, and I could be, I'm, I'm probably butchering that, like, I'm, you know, not, not coming to really know it that well, but like, that was more the direction that I was moving. I was thinking, you know, just a lot more about God and sort of, um, uh, mysticism and, um, yeah. And it was, um, it was, it was actually at the end of the, of the LSD trip that I mentioned to you. Uh, I feel weird saying this cause I never want to like attribute my, belief to, to an LSD trip, but, um, you know, I also, I can't deny like it happened and it's part of God's providence. And so, you know, I, you know, I take, I take what I get. Um, but at, at the end of that, I, I felt like I needed, um, I felt like I was, I, I don't know that I want to even try to describe what I felt, but I, I felt like I needed to go to confession. Like there was just, a lot of weight on me about the mistakes I was making in life. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, I had had this glimpse of, of actually being a man and, um, it, it just so happened at that moment that, that they were having confession. Um, I'd never been to the Catholic church there in town, but I just like walked out the door, like found the Catholic church in town and they were having confession. Um, and so, you know, I said my confession and, I just, um, well, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I'll go into all that much detail about, about it. Um, but I basically, after that, I went to mass and it just, it had a very strong effect on me. Um, mm -hmm. I, and I decided I wanted to keep going back. I felt like I was, you know, entering into something that was an ongoing, you know, um, this ongoing ritual that, that had been happening from from the beginning of Christianity, um, that I sort of, this wasn't something that just began at, at four o'clock on a Saturday. Hmm. Um, but that, you know, we, we, all of us who came in at four o'clock on a Saturday, were kind of joining ourselves to, to this ongoing hmm. mass, uh, even hmm. though I didn't have much of a theology of, of the mass, uh, as the sort of representation of Christ on Calvary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I felt that very strongly. And so I, that, that also was something to prompt me to, to think about again. And I just started going to mass every Sunday from then. And, um, I didn't immediately declare that I believed in, in the Catholic faith, but it was by the end of that year that, that I felt, um, sure about it. Mm 
and you began transitioning during that period as well. Oh, I, I'm sorry. That transition. Yeah, detransitioning. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was pretty much around you know at the same time. What was the um, experience of getting off estrogen and re meeting your testosterone? Um, weirdly, I just kind of like didn't pay that much attention. Um, like I kind of I kind of wanted to forget about everything. Okay. Um, yeah. Which in some ways I'm glad that I did. Like I I didn't contact my endocrinologist. I just stopped taking the hormones. Um, I decided maybe I'll go back on it later, but I was like, I'm really not sure about it now. So I'm going to go okay. off it, you know, to avoid permanent changes. And then I just never ended up deciding to go back on it. Mm. So, um, but yeah, getting readjusted to it. Um, I mean, yeah, I didn't like, I didn't like the, the sex drive coming back. That's um, for sure. But I didn't, I kind of didn't pay that much attention to how, like, I think that my emotions did get very, um, thrown off around that time but mm -hmm. but it was, you uh, fortunately had mass to uh stabilize yeah. yourself and confession as well that is true yeah i mean i went to confession every week um oh. you know i i had a very um yeah i went i went to sunday every week i went i went to confession yeah i would say most weeks um you know because i mean i was i was i was sinning a lot so um <laughs> no but, um <laughs> But like, you know, I was, I was, I was adjusting and I, mm. uh, I actually, I really, I loved going to confession. I felt, I always felt great going to confession. And I mean, that was the thing that like, you know, I, um, when I went to that first confession, um, that was kind of, it was kind of like the, the first time that I had this sort of experience of, of just kind of knowing that I was forgiven, even though I knew sort of the gravity of my sins. Um, and it wasn't because I've like, killed anyone or done something that you know a lot of people you know can find that weird like why why would you be so you know um distraught by your sins but you know it's like you know you get you get the meaning of like what these sins actually do what it what it affect you know the way that it affects me um and the amount of of glory really that god has given me and the gifts that he's given me and that um that i'm 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 destroying that and hmm. um well, I, yeah, I, I find it hard to describe, you know, the, the actual meaning of it without it sounding so sort of horrible, but it's sort of, it was like, I was able to, to see the, the actual gravity of my sins and not be disturbed by that, but actually for that to increase my confidence, um, my confidence that God had sustained me all this time. Um, and that actually the trajectory of my life was that I was looking for him. Um, hmm. and that the way that I was suffering for the, the knowledge of my sins, like filled me with joy, um, because it, it emptied all this space, uh, for me, it, 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 it made me realize, um, how much he loves me, that he, that he loves me, um, that, that his love for me really is not affected by the, by even these sins. Like, you know, when, when I have that realization of the kind of the meaning of my sins, you know, and then I see that, that that's what makes it grave is the meaning of it. Not, you know, just like, hmm. Hmm. you know, I looked at pornography. It's like, that might seem like nothing, but there's a meaning to that. And when I see the meaning to that, 
Mm. Um, mm. I see mm. the gravity of it. And when I see the gravity of it, I see how merciful God is that his love can't even be affected by that. Um, and so it was like the more that I realized the gravity of my sins, the more apparent his love for me was. Um, and, and it was, I, it was like, it was like, I just, I couldn't get enough of like recognizing my sins in a way. It was like, I wanted to, I wanted to sorrow more for my sins, um, so that I could open up more space to recognize God's mercy. Um, and that there, there is, I, I sometimes feel like there's almost a danger in that. And that's maybe a, a pointless thought to say, Oh, that's, that's dangerous. But it's like, there is a, there is a danger because for years after that, I think I really struggled to understand like what that meant, that experience. Um, because then I, I, I wanted to punish myself a lot. Um, I wanted to recreate that experience. Oh, um, and I couldn't okay. do it because it was a gift. And it, you couldn't it was, recreate the experience, but you could harm yourself. <laughs> yeah, I could. I could try. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Well, you know, it seems like I'm just not a Catholic. I'm being, something in me is really strongly pushing me to go to mass right now. And I've mm. done it twice in the last couple of weeks. The first time was really powerful. The second time was rather disturbing because there were so many people there and I felt like I was worshiping God, but I absorbed a lot of the things that were going on and, and just the hundred, 500 people in the same room. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't be, uh, I shouldn't open myself up as much as I did on Sunday. I absorbed too much, but, um, it seems like the, the confession process needs to be followed with something else. Like it's like you were given the gift through confession and through the relationship of recognizing your son, recognizing God's love, but it has to move to another step. There has to be like worship or work of some point. It yeah. has to move beyond that. It seems like, and I'm sure that Catholicism has probably recognized that that, yeah. that is getting, you get stuck in this position that you're describing. You have to go forward. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I wish that I had something deep to, to really oh, add to that. Right. But I mean, you certainly are given, you know, a penance um, afterward to, you know, do something um, to kind of, um, you know, not that not that anything that you do is going to like compensate for for the sin. Um, like you like part, part of it is the recognition that I can't compensate for the for the gravity of my sins. And that's not even the point um, mm. that um you know, so I, I can, I can, you know, do some small gesture of something yeah. to, uh, you know, um, to sort of atone for my sins and to, 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 you know, reorganize my life, uh, in, in a better direction. I'm going to do mm -hmm. some kind of a penance. Um, but you know, even, even more than that would, yeah, would be to worship, to, to recognize that, that God is, is my salvation and not me. Um, I didn't save Four myself. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, that, that, that God, you know, God is the one who saves me and he's not, um, he's not depend. Yeah. He's not, he's not waiting for, 
for me to to be perfect before he's going to perfect me um but part of me being perfect is to do what a human does which is when a human does something wrong they you know do something about it they they change their life and when you love someone you do something about it um doesn't mean that love consists in your actions um but nobody loves without acting um mm -hmm. so so i'm still it's it's not it's not just a gesture um doing penance like oh i'm just doing this as kind of a little participation kind of um nom like a nominal participation in you know uh, or a sign that god you know has forgiven me um I'm actually I'm actually participating in his own life, um, but it's just as a, a just as a member of him, not as the head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So over, so you said you you transitioned seven years ago. Detransitioned. De 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 Detransitioned. So you're kind of ahead of the the curve or, or the um, the swell uh, that's occurring now. Um, Swell, How, oh, just like, detransitioners are coming out more and more. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you? How have you developed? Uh, how have your thoughts around gender developed in that in those intervening years? And why are you speaking about this now? I I wish that I had a clear explanation of, of gender. I, in a way, I feel kind of embarrassed that it's only uh, in the last couple of like months that like I started listening to New Polity, which I know that you've been listening to and going like, whoa, like this is giving me a lot more, I guess, words for uh, how I understand gender. But mm -hmm. I'm still, you know, working on like owning those kind of explanations to be able to, you know, speak them myself. But I certainly have had ever since I became Catholic um, and detransitioned, like, I started to get a sense of like, I might not know how to describe gender, but like, I know that it's more than just, you know, having male and female genitals. Um, hmm. And I guess like, since I'm, 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 I'm so caught up in my experience, um, I do have a hard time getting outside of myself, but um, like, I've, I've been working so much on just trying to get a hold of the whole gender dysphoria thing. And I guess get a hold of like some glimpse that there's a way that I would be able to own being a man um, before I would like settle on that sort of conception of what a man is. Hmm. Um, even though I've, I've heard certain things, um, especially in religious language that, that makes sense about sort of the male gifts. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I'm sort of like, I, I still don't really see how that concretely works for me. Um, so I'm not hmm. rejecting it, but I've, I've been like very, taken a very long time to kind of like wait and, and try to, to understand that. And so, I mean, for me, like an important thing is like that you don't have to have an explanation for something to believe it. Um, like it seems like we kind of, you know, get this expectation, this expectation that unless I can explain it to somebody, um, you know, it's not, it's not real. Um, and I, I've, I've had to sit, you know, for, for years with certain things and I'm still sitting with them that I believe to be true, but I have no idea how to explain. And I guess at least now that it's been just a year that I would say that I don't even really experience gender dysphoria. Um, you know, after seven years, I would say it's been a year that I don't deal with gender dysphoria. 
because those waves hit me like in full three years ago. What, what would they be like? What are, what is the, can you describe your gender dysphoria? Um, yeah, there'd be a lot of parts to it, but I guess like the thought process I wrote in um, one of my articles was like, I would get stuck in this thought loop. Like I want to be a woman, but I'm not. Yeah, but I want to be. Yeah, but you're not. Okay. But that's not the point. I want to be a woman, but but you're not, I know. No, no, you're not listening. Like that's not okay. We, there has to be something, you know, I, I mean, I, I realize that there's nothing to be done, but like, it's still, still like, oh, are you getting this? Like, I'm, I want to be a woman. And I just feel like, yeah, but, but I'm not, <laughs> you know, and there was, there was no way to get out of that. Like it, it seemed to me at that time, like it, if that thought occurred to me, I would just, my 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 thoughts would you know conflicts would go on and then eventually i'd be right back there okay and um you know the i guess the the experience of it is i guess that i i think what i've been noticing like this is still with me to a to a considerable extent i just no longer really like identify it with wanting to be a woman is that i seem to like map myself in my mind like my physical body as being smaller more delicate more like a woman um, I, I hear my voice in my head as being more kind of light and, and, uh, and feminine sounding, um, you know, is it more, is it more like a woman or is it more like a child that's also ambiguous? And I think I've been noticing too, I've been, you know, wanted more to transition in order to be more like a child, um, and to be treated more gently. Hmm. Um, hmm. but yeah, that was, that was a lot of what the gender dysphoria was like. There is, um, Oh, I, I'm sorry. Actually, I should just say that I always forget to cap that off. So I would, I would kind of map myself out inside like that, but it was as soon as I would look at myself in the mirror or hear my voice, or even just like feel my body as I'm moving to, to whatever extent I was getting physically in touch with my body, I would like snap back and be like, wait a minute, like, you know, on a, on a subconscious level, it's like, wait a minute. No, like I'm actually, this is what I'm like. But if I wasn't looking at myself, or, or having some kind of physical sort of contact with what I'm physically like, then I would be prone to see myself more in this kind of smaller way. And that obviously means that there's no way to just take that like pure atomized individual perception of myself into the social world mm -hmm. and not constantly in every tiny little thing perceive my maleness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a trip, man. Yeah. My life is kind of trippy like that. Hmm. I mean, um, I would, I'm just trying to put myself in, in, in to the headspace that you're describing. And I would probably hold on to that, but encapsulate it into a fictional identity. Just kind of like, just sequester that into uh, artistic expression that it's just a part of my imaginary life but it's so it seems like very personal to you so like i i don't yeah. uh, that's how it's different for me like i, well, I, I think do have feminine and childlike attributes and um, uh, not uh, just like 
like they they are kind of like characteristics, but like they're they're like kind of like a part of the pantheon. Like oh, there's this part of me, there's this this other kind of part of me, you know. And through fiction, I've concretized those and given them names and stories and and explored those different aspects of myself. But they're always kind of like yeah, I'm I'm interacting with them or they're interacting with me. And when I'm in the fictional world. They're different than me, but I can really feel them and embody them when I write about them or write through them or perform them through the page. So that sounds like a good I can way to put a little bit different or distance from. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that sounds like a good way to do that. And you're reminding me like why I'd like to get back into to making art because I've had a bit of an artist block for a bit. Mm. But um, and I guess it, you know, it also also gives me hope, too, that it's like, you know, um, like. I'm a man, you're a man. And like, I'm able to experience what you say uh, when it comes to like the appreciation of, of female beauty without like, while maybe there's more of a minor component of like wanting to be beautiful. Um, and I can, I can see that I clearly have that appreciation of, of female beauty. And I can sort of like, I, I've, I've seen myself shift more toward kind of reorienting myself in a way that kind of hmm. makes more sense. Um, so I, that gives me kind of hope that I could, you know, use art that way, maybe be more intentional about it. And also like you mentioned too, about, um, like giving, yeah, giving those, those parts of you, uh, an artistic outlet. And I think that I, I had noticed, um, that like going back to childhood, I just had the sense that. Yeah, like I, I have certain parts of me that I care too much about to ever show anyone because I'm pretty sure that everyone will reject it if mm-hmm. I show them. And I think that when I, whenever I'm thinking, I think that everyone will re- will react like this. I'm usually thinking, I think that my mom or dad will react like this. Mm-hmm. And so, particularly, there's a whole other set of issues with my mom. But when it comes with my to my dad, um, it was you know the embarrassment about about wanting to be beautiful and. and any you know any part of that uh just even that just being a, a component of my life and hmm. i guess it's helped me to kind of appreciate like that there is actually some there is actually a goodness in me this isn't all just like shameful stuff that i'm hiding there was actually a goodness in me that i like um that i intuitively knew as a child mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. this matters and i'm not just going to share this with any old person who's going to dismiss it or make fun of it. And so, mm. you know, I've, I've learned to be a lot, I guess, kind of kinder to myself about that yeah. sort of thing, but I actually have. Oh, go ahead. Well, if you're going to take God's grace seriously, then you need to bear your fruits into the world and yeah. allow God to protect them. Um, or just kind of let them go. Uh, if you're going to take God's grace seriously, then you have to be yeah. your full and total self, which doesn't mean holding it inside of you. It seems like a lot of, I, I'm really sorry to, to be declarative like this, but it seems like a lot of your story is about being bottled up. All this energy, yeah. sexually, yeah. but creatively, emotionally, all this stuff is bottled up and it's banging around in your head. It's forcing your head to do all these convolutions of creating identities for yourself that you're not letting... You're yep. not putting in the world. You're not putting in the world. God created you to put things in the world. I don't yeah. know. Mark said oh. that. Mark Barnes from New Polity said uh, one mm-hmm. thing that I think is that makes most sense about gender is that man creates outside of himself and woman creates inside of herself. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've, I've never. I, I feel like I've never had someone like just kind of sum it up like that. 
Um, cause that's, that's totally true. You're completely right about that. You know, I, I have a lot of conflict with myself, um, about wanting to share things. Yeah. I have, I have a whole poem about how I have a conflict about when I want to share things. Um, do you want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, you have a memory pretty short. Yeah. I do. Oh, it's good. Pretty short. That's the only way to be a poet is to memorize your freaking work. Ho hopefully I won't forget it now that I'm uh, reciting it, but <laughs> let's see. On my way out from the town walls gate, the welcomest words draw my ears on what my angel never fails to say from heaven to heaven to God. Truth springs forth because I listen, not because I wish to speak. Thank you, Lord, for this, your good lesson to write down for all those who speak. But it was an angel who I addressed, who stands between this fiery gate, who requires my heart be put to the test that no untimely word may escape. In so much zeal to give the lesson I took and I dropped it all so fast. Kindled as quick by the heart sweet confession, longing for his voice free again I passed. Here, all the air rang my ears with good news, and with joy I sprung round to tell all, to find myself, as every time I do, face to face with the guard of the wall. Do you draw? Yep. Haven't in a while. There's something very Blakeian about that. I could hear that put the music or accompanied oh, yeah. by a, a what did you do? Lithographs? He did some sort of engraving. Oh. Oh yeah, that you make prints with? Yeah. Mm. That you paint them. It's very Blakeian. Have you read much oh, yeah. Blake? I haven't. I sort of just know who he is. Yeah. Uh if you if you ever get a chance, pick up uh the marriage of heaven and hell and uh, songs of innocent it's an experience but the marriage of heaven and hell you might find uh, a fruitful challenge yeah he's a strange man it's a very very short book it's a very short book i need to just pick up some poetry how do i pronounce njada oh n yada n yada n yada um, I feel like that is uh, the poem is just the great place to end the recorded part of our conversation. Yeah. So okay. why don't you plug all of your fantastic work so people can go and ridicule you on Substack? <laughs> I'm kidding. Where, where, where can people find you? Oh, where can people find me? Um, uh, N yada D trans one word dot substack dot com. Um, and Yada my, is with a J, but the link will be yeah. in the description. Yeah. Uh huh. And then, um, well, I have my uh, in the spirit of of sharing. Um, I have my my art blog is um, n yada hyphen art dot blogspot dot com. Um, and yeah. And you're on Twitter as well. Oh yeah, and I'm on Twitter. Yeah, here not there five. All right. Thank you so much. I want to have you back on. Oh. You've taught me a lot. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Um, I, it was great talking to you. Yeah, you actually kind of helped me um, sort out a couple of things there. So, <laughs> uh, and it's just, just a fun conversation. Yeah. Um, I'll end the recording. You want to say goodbye to the folks at home? Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye, folks at home. Cool. Uh,